Just a brief note before we get started, this episode is part of a special series we recorded at the Chemicals America Conference in Fort Worth, Texas. Rather than our usual in-house attorney guests, these episodes feature executives and other business leaders from outside of the legal department discussing some of the biggest issues facing the chemical industry today. We hope longtime listeners appreciate this temporary shift in perspective, and we welcome new listeners, especially those of you in the chemical industry, joining us for this special series. Now, on with the show. Welcome, everyone, to the In-House Roundhouse, where in-house lawyers, outside counsel, and industry experts gather around to discuss current issues and best practices. I'm your host, Mark Enriquez, a commercial litigator with Wombleban Dickinson. With me, as always, is my producer, Brian Ewing. Our guest today is Zach Kimball. Zach is an executive vice president of sales and marketing at ITI Technologies, Inc., a specialty chemical company serving the agriculture and oil and gas industries, among others. Zach, thanks for taking time to sit down and talk to us. Yes, thank you for having me. And we are here at the Specialty Chemicals Conference in beautiful Fort Worth, Texas. This is one of a series that we're going to try to record on the chemical industries. Uh, Zach, I know ITI Technologies is a fairly new company. I guess you were formed in 2017, and you've got a uh, patented adopter molecule uh, that applies across several industries. Can you tell us a little bit about the history of ITI and about you sure. know, the products? Yeah, absolutely. We. Um We've been in this iteration, uh, ITI, since uh, 2017. So um, prior to that, there was a, uh, the technology that we have and have, have developed over the years um, was housed in another company that spun it off. So uh, the group that's been together throughout the several iterations, uh, they're our management company. And we've, um, we're privately held. We are 15 folks in Leland, uh, which is right outside of Wilmington, North Carolina. So we've got a plant. And really what we do... Um, Molecules, a kind of an easy way to say it. <laughs> uh, technically, I can't say molecules, so okay. we are an. Well, at least I said it. Yeah, of there you, you go. <laughs> so, and, uh, so, so we um, we basically come up with it's an ionic uh, composition of matter uh, that is incredibly versatile. But ultimately, what in layman's terms, what our technology does is it takes molecules, minerals, any sort of materials from one place to another with a charge, which is highly unusual, uh, doesn't really happen to be able to carry and suspend a charge over long periods of time uh, through different temperatures up to 500 degrees down below negative 300. Um, so, wow. so really finding a place for this technology uh, has, has been what we've been doing for the past couple years. And um, certainly in the green areas, uh, there's a lot of applications there. Wow. Now, that sounds very interesting and very, very yeah. innovative. Um, so can you give us an example of some of the, the sure. applications for that? Sure. So thing we won't call a molecule. Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> I, I know. can't see my air quotes, but right. uh, what we're doing right now uh, in the, the calcium carbonate world. So calcium carbonate is used as a filler in the plastics making so you fill up or replace polystyrene polypropylene with you know maybe 10 or 12 percent of calcium to reduce the cost of resin and also reduce the cost of plastics uh, so what we found is that by treating the calcium uh, with some of the world's larger calcium carbonate conglomerates uh, there's about five or six global ones out there we're able to treat the calcium to where it can travel and, and through this dispersion uh, we can get more even dispersion of the calcium into that process and what we're able to do is get in the upwards of 40 to 50 percent calcium fill to where 
you know, you're looking at a, a piece of plastic like this, and, mm -hmm. and it could be, if it's 50% calcium, it's, a, it's now a calcium or a mineral-based product versus a, a plastic-based product. So hmm. that's, um, that's probably the most exciting thing we're doing right now, and, and certainly lends itself to a lot of green initiatives. Uh, anything we can do to, re to reduce resins, uh, I know there's a lot of resin manufacturers here, but, you know, at the end of the day, I, I think it makes it cost-effective. I mean, we're cutting costs in half almost. Um, and so really just getting this thing out and, and getting proof of concept with the world's largest calcium carbonate manufacturer is is you know part of the battle right now and, and we're doing a great job and so the market's going to see this in the next couple months um and and again we're just a tiny part we're an additive in this larger process but um our little piece of it can do can do quite a bit no that sounds interesting and so if i understand it correctly you're actually you're replacing some of that plastic resin and for, you know use my late terminology sure. um you're you're replacing that with this calcium carbonate and i mm -hmm. assume that makes it more biodegradable it affects the you know from a green perspective absolutely improves yeah. the, the properties there yeah so that's uh, that's the the obvious benefit um certainly the cost um so you know i think what we found is, is that this ability to disperse evenly it doesn't always happen in that world and and when you look at this under a microscope you'll see that you know with and without the application of our solution you know the calcium tends to stick in one place and it's not mm. distributed evenly so um you know really making those kinds of strides is pretty cool and from what we've heard out there in the field is to get these these fill rates 40 to 50 percent because it's calcium, it becomes very brittle. So, you know, that's been the challenge. So when you coat it with ours, you know, you're seeing tensile strengths that are, are stronger than it was with, with resin. So it's um, the strength, uh, the ability to, to not have a brittle product, um, you know, to have a stronger and, and the more biodegradable product. It's, I mean, all, yeah, all no, good that, things. Yeah, that sounds good all the way around. Yeah. And our ITI's customers, are you selling it to those calcium carbonate manufacturers to say hey use our product so that you can get better fill or who where is your market yeah that's where we are now uh, and it took us a while to get here we thought initially the the master batch type companies were is where we fit and so going into that process we just there were all sorts of issues that that came up just because of the, the simple manufacturing process where do you put us in when you're treating the resin and and so we said let's just go to the genesis of the entire process and that's how we got to calcium and as soon as um, these companies heard about what we were doing um, you know they look at us like we're crazy and and of course we said no just just try it mm. um, and so once they tried it they said this this could be a pretty revolutionary thing in the industry so no, that's interesting. My, my partner, Jeff Whittle, is here on the podcast, too. And I guess the, the question that pops into my mind, really, in part, an uh, intellectual property question, which is, like, and I understand you've got a patent on it. Is it, and you, you, may, you may know, Zach, or, or one of you, I'm wondering, is it like the, do you have to patent each process? Do you patent the process of using your not non-molecule, you know, the, right, right. the element, using that with calcium carbonate? Or, do you, or is it the actual... The special substance that creates allows uh, particles with charge to be transmitted that's patented you know where is that protection because that seems like be uh, yeah, pretty yeah. important for you oh it's, it's huge and and that's i mean that's our ip and that's where we are and so uh, we've got a picket fence strategy as it relates to our patents so 
Uh, we've got a, a brilliant patent attorney uh, in Wilmington, so he used to work for some of the larger chemical companies. And, and so, yeah, really, at the heart of everything is our base technology and building that picket fence uh, to give us the ability to cover a lot of things, you know, be general, but be very specific mm -hmm. um, so that we can, we can go to market and, mm -hmm. and be protected. But if somebody, you know, <laughs> right. takes a, a left turn, um, we can look at it and, and have a, a legal conversation around that. Right, the picket fence is a great strategy. So that's a good strategy. I compliment you on that yeah. in terms of moving forward and how, you know, in, in your area in the space, I know it's critical to have strong IP, and it sounds like you're developing that really well. Yeah, no, it's uh, I, I literally not coming from the industry didn't know much about that type of strategy, but the more I've dug into it and learned, it, it, it absolutely makes sense, especially from a from a base IP and then looking to products. Um, we've, we've got three or four products out there that we're doing grassroots efforts with, uh, because at the end of the day, we are privately funded. We're, you know, we don't have the BASF or the Dow DuPont money. And um, so, you know, when we tell those types of folks what we've sunk into this um, from a funding standpoint and where we are in the course of three and a half, four years, uh, they look at us like we're crazy again and just <laughs> uh -huh. say, guys, this would have taken us $50 million and, and it would have taken us six years. And so we've done things on a shoestring budget. So um, that would be our challenge right now is we're at a point to where we've recognized that this this is special. Other people who there's only a handful of people who have really seen this technology. Mm. And, and it's really, I, I think, where do we go? Do we part? I mean, we need a big partner. We need a, one of the big guys to come in and, and co-develop. Um, and so that's, that's kind of the route we're looking at now. But we're also not taking our eye off the ball on developing you know, these products that are, are, are in the market now, like our agricultural products. Um, so in very short time, we've, we've come a long way. We've gotten great success in the field. And it's just all the blocking and tackling that needs to happen when you're somebody the size of us. No, I think that's true. It's, it's you not only have to build the better mousetrap, but you then have to convince other people oh, yeah. to use yeah. it and what it does. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's not just a mousetrap. It's a generalized rodent catching machine, you know, whatever, whatever <laughs> yeah. it is, right? That technology, yeah. you've got technology that potentially has hundreds or thousands of yeah. applications. I mean, that's it sounds like that's at a general level that could be important mm -hmm. in all manner of manufacturing. Oh. So it's a matter of thinking about how it can be used and then convincing them to use it. And there's always this inertia about people that want to do things the way they've been doing it or use the formula that they've used for a long sure, time. So sure. I imagine those are hurdles. Oh, it, it is. It's the biggest hurdle of people not knowing who you are, which, you know, that's that's fine. That's why I'm here uh, is mm -hmm. to more or less evangelize who we are, what we do and, and how we apply. Now, the third part, how we apply, that's that's kind of the tricky part because I talked to our science team and our inventor, David Creasy, and, and you know, I bring him a problem. Uh, we're working right now with the Fortune 500 paper and pulp company, and their issue is lignans. So the byproduct of the pulping are the lignans that they use uh, or want to use for the aftermarket and sell it to automotive users for plastic uh, use. And the issue is the smell. Um, and we have a quick conversation. Science talks to science, and our guys are saying no problem. Um, so we're currently right now testing to reduce um, because w what our solution is, it's, it's an acid. So it can suppress uh, these odors um, for a long period of time. So we're going down that road. So it's, it's try wow. not to, to do everything. And but but it's, <laughs> it's I mean, with our science team, it's it's 
the problems out there, um, we could take on a lot. Um, yeah. We just need to keep Yeah, it. certainly odor control is not something that would have jumped into my mind when yeah. you said yeah. transit of charge particles. And, and a big yeah. problem in pulp and paper. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah, but it seems like, your, it seems like your IP strategy allows you to find partners in each of these different industry segments, which sounds really advantageous in a lot of creative yeah, ways. It, we, we have no aspirations to be a manufacturer. We have no aspirations to be a, a large, you know, $5 billion company with a massive sales force. We, we are of the mind that we find the problem, adjust our technology to deal with the problem, find a couple customers, commercialize, and then either license it off, sell it off, and then move to the next. Because what we're looking at in the future on the energy side, uh, we're doing some really interesting things as far as, um, it, it sounds a little hokey, but cold fusion. Um, uh -huh. And um, what we've done in the past on mineral extraction, we, we did some tests um, that were under the watchful eye of Barrick, uh, which is a large gold miner. And uh, they typically use um, uh, cyanide to separate the gold in the process, and that's being phased out because uh, it's cyanide. Uh, <laughs> and, um, it's not something someone wants in their backyard. <laughs> yeah, and, and so what, when we applied our, our technology to it, the capture rate that the market gets when they separate that out is somewhere in the range of 75 to 80%. We were getting 95 to 99% uh, capture wow. rate. So, yeah. you know, the price of gold, I mean, you're looking at... That it's, it's a big market there. So, and that's just, that's one of our kind of pet projects that, that we're going down now. But, you know, a technology like that, we need a Barrick Gold. We need an Oceana, one of the big players, mm -hmm. because there's just, it's just not our space. And, and we profess to be, we know our, our application. We don't know all the industries, but um, that's why we need the, the partnership route. Does that work? Does that technology work in other mining areas too? Other other metals yeah, or we, other? Yeah, we haven't even tried it. So sulfonated sure. gold is, is where we put our focus just because sure. I think there was a uh, some competition years ago at Colorado School of Mines that was sponsored by Barrick. And we just, just for fun, kind of said, let's try this. And we, we did it. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, Super. Um, so it, it's that's uh, kind of wild. You uh, just see, yes, yeah, yeah, we might be able to solve that problem. Yeah, yeah. Well, those that don't know, Colorado School of Mines is probably the, one of the top engineering and mining schools in the West, the mm. whole Western half of the United States. Outstanding in Golden, Colorado. When, when you yeah. talk about like working with with Barrick, are you envisioning like a licensing arrangement where you give them a license or some kind of joint venture or yeah. I mean, what for, for other businesses trying to figure out the the legal model? Sure, you know sure. what what options are you leaning towards or yeah, that one especially um, that would have to be a co development or a you know something of that nature. Uh, the capital hurdles in that industry are just just too high uh that's 10 years of r d and um we had a, a kid who used to um he used to work at bain he came in for the summer he's finishing his uh, mba at harvard and um he was in that world and um you know just the few years of knowledge that he had in that space he said guys this is this is oh, tens of hundreds of millions in r d and and 10 years um, mm, right. if, if we do it ourselves and so yeah. You know, we, we do have the ability to pick and choose what, what we go down. But um, again, it, it comes down to everyone sitting down and saying, okay, what's, what's the highest and best use? What's the quote unquote low hanging fruit that right. we can go and, and commercialize today? So, um, so yeah, it's, it's always a challenge. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think um, if we can do good things out there, because, you know, really everything um, that is used, all the raw materials in, in our 
our uh, composition. I mean, they're all grass listed, so generally regarded as safe uh, items. So the real magic is in the um, when we create uh, the molecule in our reactors. Um, that's really where the magic happens. So, hmm. and it's really everything that science books say you shouldn't do. And uh, <laughs> And, you know, that's how we arrived on, on this technology. It was um, uh, David Creaser, our chief science officer, and, and his two sons, who were both scientists as well, um, literally fell on it, and they thought they were going to blow themselves up. But magically, we, we created something new out there. So it's, uh, you, you know, you never know where it can come from. That's great. No, I love to hear and have things get invented. I think that's <laughs> always, you know, that that accident that turns out yeah. to be a good thing is, right. is always interesting. Right. Velcro, right? right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Velcro. And Zach, you touched on this a little bit, but like sustainability is kind of a, a buzzword right. in the industry. Can you tell us about more about the product and how it fits into that sustainability model? Like a lot of people think of the uh, Coke bottle, they recycle the Coke bottle and bring it back in and put less plastics and things like that into the environment. Sure. So do you mind tell, talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, when we look at the calcium side of things, uh, what we found is that recycling the resins, uh, we can do it seven to eight times. Uh, right now, the, you see it happening four or five times and, and we've got, you know, with and without our, our traded product and, and pictures and, and it's amazing. Mm -hmm. um, so it's got that longevity. Uh -huh. um, so keeping, you know, keeping more resins out of the process is always right. what you want to do. Um, so it can stay in the life cycle longer yes. periods yes. of time. It's impressive. So, yeah, it's um, so on that side. And then, you know, we get to some of our agricultural products. Again, it, it starts with a problem and we tweak it to address that problem um, in the hog lagoons. Um, so being from North Carolina, um, it's a big issue. Oh, yeah. uh, they're one of the few states that actually still have open water lagoons just because of the phosphorus levels right. and everything they have to right. do. So we, you know, right off the heels of, of the large lawsuit, um, that came uh, targeted at one large company pretty much. Um, uh, we heard from growers and farmers out there that it's an issue. Uh, the state is looking at the one, the odors, uh, and then two, uh, how do you reduce the sludge so that you know the phosphorus levels can at least be drawn down you know, so these guys can take this manure and spread it uh, right. or knife it into the fields. Uh, because that's, that's the issue in North Carolina is, is just an overabundance of phosphorus. Um, so what we've done on that is, um, you know, we've got a biological solution that basically trains the, you can call it bugs um, that we have to really target the manure and, and they multiply trillions of times over a minute. And uh, basically it just eats the, the sludge and reduces those levels to where these farmers don't have to spend 20, 30, 50, $60,000 to manually dredge these, these lagoons. And in you know, agriculture and these farmers, um, you know, what we come to find out is that the Smithfields of the world, the Max, with the large players, they don't own these farms. Uh, it's grower owned. And these guys are challenged every day. They're, they're cutting pennies in half. And so trying to make this economical and, and try to use our product, but only do it once every five or 10 years, um, that's, that's where we have to be. And, and we're doing that now. And we've got, a big, um, we've got a big road ahead of us. We've got this 10 acre lagoon and I won't say whose, whose it is, but um, 
it's a 10 acre lagoon. They said, this has been a problem for us. Uh, the state regulators are all over us. This thing is just a mess. And, and we go out there and see it and it's just, it, it's standstill manure, it's dark. Uh, there's no biological activity. Um, so uh, this spring we are going to apply our solution, uh, which we've done in, in multiple other lagoons and it's worked, but this one is going to be really the tail of the tape. <laughs> the, as the real to, test <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this is the yeah. worst for the worst. Yeah, so, so to, I mean, to envision a 10-acre lagoon full of just pig manure is, it's... Yeah, um, not, yeah, not yeah. a happy thought. So, not, you know, not time for a swim. Yeah, so, you know, little things like that lend themselves to, you know, making things a little bit better on the environment. You know, really more or less, you know, on the poultry and swine side with our acidified water, um, because we can carry that charge, we can make the minerals that they take in on their growth periods. Uh, it makes it more biologically available or bioavailable to the birds to where they can have a balanced gut. So the issue with, with the waters, there's no water that's the same in every and all farms across the country. And what we come to find out, the pH levels of, of some of these farms and the waters are, are just off the charts. So because we can carry that charge and because we can carry the silver, the copper, whatever they feed the birds to tighten the gut, to, to do whatever they need to do to get a, a full grown bird in 40 to 50 to 60 days, um, we can make all those materials more bioavailable. And at the same time, we're getting, uh, it's reducing the feed conversions, which is what you want because it's basically making the feed more efficient. Um, so we're getting larger birds, shorter times, healthier birds. Um, there's a lot we can't claim on that because we're just more or less a water conditioner. But um, but the ability for us to be able to take any materials out there, amino acids, and, and get them closer and better utilized in, in a bird or a pig, um, it's huge. And, of course, our minds go racing to pharma. It's like, right. can we take these drugs to places where... Uh, they can't go, and that's, that's yeah. no. That was what yeah. my mind immediately yeah. went to. Right, if you can improve the the availability yeah. uh, to a bird or a pig, what about yeah. human bioavailability? Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's a different regulatory scheme uh, yes, <laughs> once it's, it's, you yeah. once you're into humans yeah. and that that whole world. But yeah. I mean, there's a lot of interest in delivery mechanisms in the whole farmer. I mean, that's that's exactly. bread and butter stuff for farmer. Yeah, so yeah. I would think they might be interested in something that yeah. allows delivery of charge. <laughs> charge yeah. particle. You know, yeah, sounds, it's, it's, uh, it's a wide space. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, um, it's just one of those things where, um, you know, the more we, we delve into it, the more applications we find. I mean, this the same material that's going into the gut of the chicken or the swine can be used in a foot bath. Um, you know, we're mm. so uh, we're in the beef and cattle side and you know, we're working with some farmers out there to where they've got the, the hairy wart uh, and all sorts of health issues on their hoofs. And they, they walk through this treatment every day. And what we found is that this this uh, takes care of the issue very quickly. So that's kind of the next avenue, I guess, on the agricultural side that, uh, that we're wow. looking. So healthier animals, better environment, nice. all good things. I think that's great. I know you've worked in a couple of different business sectors. <laughs> what, what brought you to chemicals and, sure. and brought you to, yeah. to ITIs. The narrative of, of what this thing was, was was too appealing to even get sleep over. Um, so <laughs> funny enough, ITI was a client of mine at my previous role with development advisors. So we did incentive negotiations around the country for companies who were spending capital, creating jobs. We would negotiate with states and counties and to get a better incentive package. So ITI, um, when they were uh, getting their plan up and running, and um, we negotiated on their behalf and got them a, a grant. and. Um, 
you know, anything you can do to offset some of the capital costs, sure. especially with a startup, is great. So, so the more I learned about it, I was just enthralled, and uh, yeah, I just <laughs> became was, a true believer. Yeah, became a true over. believer. Right. So yeah, so yeah. it's uh, I use the word every once in a while, but yeah, the evangelist, uh, mm. just just saying, hey guys, you know, we don't have a ton of data backing this up because data costs money um, but what we do have um, we're just trying to get in front of the right people and just say just touch it just see it just and and from those conversations it's amazing to see what happens um, especially with the the handful of folks that have seen it that know what they're doing it's it's like watching a, a kid in a candy store yeah that's exciting. Yeah. No, I, I think it's great. I, I think it's wonderful to find something you're that interested about to say yes. This this really makes a oh yeah. You know, this makes a difference. Yeah. No, oh, and, and that is, great. and that's uh, our CEO Jim Orfanides, um, You know, that's that's really at the top of his mind. Is um, you know when when we can get all the revenue mm -hmm. uh, that we need. I mean, doing the right thing and doing right by you know, in a in a global lens um, mm -hmm. and making an impact, even though we're a small part of the equation. Whatever we can do um, to help mankind, we're that's we're up for it. That's so. great. So you do have an interest in international, going outside of the United States oh, and expanding yeah, to those type of markets. Yeah, we've um, it, it's it's too big not to. And the folks that we're right. talking with on you know the the major conglomerates, they're naturally global and. So we're talking to a few folks out there. Um, we did some trial runs on soil remediation um, over in China. And so basically getting all the nitrates out, uh, basically over fertilized farmland that was useless. We were putting applications in and um, what we were seeing was that we were able to, to take all the fertilizers and all the quote unquote junk out in, in about 72 to, to 90 hours. Um, so Impressive. So yeah, so again, that's a, one of those projects that, you know, we, we're just at the infancy and there's just much more digging to do. But, you know, those are the, the cool things that we see on the horizon out there that, I mean, if you can make uh, farmland usable, that's, I mean, the global impact on that is mm. sky's the limit. Yeah, so. nice. Yeah, nice. I mean, I, I'm sure it varies by application. I guess when you're talking about using it for lagoons and stuff, it can be cost effective to do it if you're doing it every five years kind of thing is it is it as it's a solution that is essentially sprayed on or poured into yeah. uh, the lagoon That's yeah how it works. yeah so it, the, the whole idea and the more we talk to farmers it's can i just pour this in i don't want to do anything that's outside right. of my daily activity and so yeah making this user friendly um and then ultimately it, it's got to be cost effective we can have the greatest mousetrap out there and if it doesn't work for the farmers it, it's it's pointless so um, making sure that we can find the right the right marketing strategy around you know what this means from a an economic benefit um, side that I think that's crucial um, uh, you know I'll take the math skills of any farmer any day I mean they're just they know mm -hmm. they know their numbers yeah and um, they count every penny that's for sure so yeah it's um, you know the hog side it, it's uh, you know, it's just one of those avenues where we pursued. We've had some great success. Um, I think we're just trying to find out where where it's best housed. Yeah, right. So, what the sweet spot is. Yeah, that's right. It is inorganic, right? Your your compound. I, I think when you're talking about those things, I'm thinking of like the uh, oil leading bacteria that you know we've heard about mm -hmm. some other stuff that yeah, would yeah. do that yep. breakdown. This this is a yes. inorganic yes. substance that you would apply, but it, but it is achieving some of the breakdown of those items, whether it's soil or lagoon. 
that are somewhat reminiscent of it is. the organic process. Too. Yes. So the um, it's nothing really new in the hog industry as far as using um, biological remediation or biological, they call it bugs, basically. So putting the right, right. formulation of bugs together, to that's nothing new. Um, what we found is that when you apply our base technology in that, it, it more or less supercharges it. So okay. it, it gets these reactions happening that much quicker. So uh, you can, as soon as it's applied, given our druthers, we would like to spray it across evenly. It just it just disperses better. But if you pour it in, it'll, it'll go. It'll just take a little bit longer. But you can see it literally bubbling up. Uh, the manure coming from the bottom, bubbling up and, and just dissipating. It's um, it's wow. pretty cool to watch. That so we've, cool. Yeah, we've got some some videos posted of the work we did this summer on our LinkedIn page, and so yeah, it's um, it's it's neat to watch. It sounds fascinating in terms of how innovative it is. Can you tell us a little bit more about some of your scientist team and your leadership sure. beside yourself? Yeah, sure. That how you how you customize it sounds like you're customizing the kind of targeting for these different yeah. applications and how they go about something like that. Yeah. So our David Creasy, um, David spent most of his life in the, um, petrochemical world. Um, right. so, uh, he and another scientist, uh, the one scientist, his focus was on building up and David's was on breaking down. Mm -hmm. So he would travel around the world with the Chevrons or the Halliburtons and, and do a lot of remediation for oil spills. Uh -huh. um, so in that process really came up with, call it the theory behind our, our science and that, you know, there's something out there that can break it apart, but it can also carry things. And, mm -hmm. and so, um, so over the course of 20, 30 years, I, I think David was more or less just tinkering. And I use that in a good light. Uh, <laughs> David is, he's the ultimate tinker um, and, and he's great. So his background coming from the petrochemical world, but he knows, I mean, living in Texas mm -hmm. and growing up in Texas mm -hmm. there, uh, just outside Houston, he, he knows everything. He knows mm -hmm. chickens, he knows. And so he's, um, I don't want to call him a mad scientist, but he's, he's that guy that, you know, all we ever want to do is give him five million dollars in a lab and just say david go at your heart's content um so behind that we've got a gentleman named sam mccall uh, who heads up our r d so sam um is in wilmington and is with a company called ctox so they're partnered they're in the uncw building um so they do a lot of work for r d that's getting ready to go commercial um so they're just kind of one of the um companies that checks the box and make sure it has these commercial viabilities before it moves on forward. So Sam uh, is well-versed uh, in the chemistry and the, and the science of, of what we're doing. So um, while I'll say David's the dreamer, Sam is the realist. And, you know, when we get those two together, we get all the right products. So um, between those two, we can do a lot. Uh, uh, sounds like it. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, we've, uh, we, we've kind of assembled ourselves. We're all from different industries. We have some chemical knowledge, but again, it gets back to we, we may not know all the industries that we're going into and, mm -hmm. and we don't profess to be experts in them, uh, but we do know our technology. And, and if we can make it apply there um, through some small adjustments, uh, you know, David and Sam are, are really the, the thought behind where this can and can't go, especially like the lignant piece. I mean, we David said, yeah, we can knock that out. And Sam said, well, <laughs> let's let's think about that. And um, and so we're in the process now. And so I think we get the yin and the yang and, and it all works out. So. Yeah. Sounds um, like a brilliant team. The, the petrochemicals near and dear to my heart, obviously, right. being in the Houston area. Yeah. So uh, that's fascinating. That's exciting that, that a really 
make such a strong contribution to these different areas. Yeah. Um, The one I didn't mention that we are going uh, oil and gas. So um, we've got a stuck pipe um, product that um, works in depths below 10,000 feet. So um, stimulates wells. And we're we're looking in the Gulf of Mexico now um, at some trial runs. So it's um, it's there's always something new and fun to work on. So exciting. Yeah. 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 It's almost you've got a solution in search of problems, right? (laughs) Bring us your problems. Let's see if we can do that. I'm trying to I'm trying to you know get our get our thoughts coalesced around that, but um, yeah. Again, it harkens back to we. I think we just need the right partners in some of those areas that are just there. I mean, to break into those industries is hard enough. Um, I think if, if we can make this someone else's baby um, that they can put their stamp on, everything will take care of itself from a revenue standpoint. Yeah, yeah. that's great. If, if some of our listeners are inspired about the, <laughs> about the solution, what's the best way for them to learn more? Should they go to ITI's website, contact you? What are, yeah. what are their options oh, for, for more always, information? Absolutely. Always contact me. My name's Zach Kimball. Uh, you can find yeah. me on LinkedIn or any other. But we've got, we've got a landing page. I, I'll call it a landing page, and that's maybe doing it justice. So, uh, <laughs> okay. you know, we've, we've, we've purposefully not really gone out and advertised ourselves, and that's, that's a strategy. Uh, we want to make sure that people know we exist. We're on the web. We we have this, but um, you know, I think because our technology is so revolutionary, I think you know we've we've been protecting it under lock and key, and and just being very careful as to you know who we you know, who we strike up conversations with, because um, it's it's a pretty revolutionary um, item that we're dealing with. And so, um, so yeah, certainly iti-technologies.com, you know, there's a contact there, but uh, again, you can well, always talk to you. To me. Sounds like you might be the best. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm the, the, I'm the conduit. Yeah. So, that's yep. great. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's terrific. And we'll, we'll include contact information for you. Yeah, sure. That's great. As well. Sure. That sounds great. Well, we're about out of time. Any final parting remarks? Uh, Jeff, anything you wanted to add? I think it's uh, fantastic what you're doing just in terms of the contribution to the industry and, and the vision they have on sustainability and how it fits in. Um, I think it's really fantastic. So I'm excited, excited to see it on the market. Anything that can contribute to the, you know, the better world or the better environment, like you mentioned, is, is fantastic. I agree. Yeah, no, I certainly agree. And um, yeah, it, it, any problem out there, we're, we're always willing to look at it. That's for sure. So. I think it's great. Yeah. No, I, I think it's exciting. And I appreciate you sharing this kind of cutting edge innovation, you know, chemical solution, a variety of contexts. Mm-hmm. Certainly thought provoking for me to think about how, you know, one chemical process substance can potentially have application in a variety yeah. of industries. I mean, I just think that's that's part of the excitement mm-hmm. of the chemicals area is you never know where it's going to be uh, yeah. most useful. Yeah. So I'm excited. Thanks for sharing the excitement with us. Uh, no, thank you for having me. Appreciate that's it. That's great. Well, that brings us to the end of our show, folks. Again, I'd like to thank uh, Jeff and Zach for joining us. We'll provide the contact information for Zach in the show notes, or you can simply simply look him up. And again, it's uh, Zach Kimball, K-I-M-B-A-L-L. Also want to remind our listeners, you can find previous episodes of the In-House Roundhouse and subscribe to this podcast at our website, WombleBondDickinson.com, or on iTunes, Google Play Store, or SoundCloud. If you have questions or comments about this episode or ideas for future episodes, please share those with me on LinkedIn and Twitter. Thanks for listening. This is the In-House Roundhouse. See you at the next station. 
In-House Roundhouse is a production of Wombleban Dickinson. Brian Ewing is our producer, and Robert Daughtry is our audio engineer.